Welcome to the podcast, People More Interesting Than Me. I'm your host, Michael Strumsky. This week, I have the pleasure of talking to Denise and James Gordon of the Skip Town All-Stars podcast. If you've ever fantasized about selling your house and everything you own to start over in a new town, this is the episode for you. We talk about starting from where they got the idea, the yard sale to sell all their stuff, and basically the A to Z of everything you would think about they've gone through. Going overseas, different places to see, and road tripping, and the obvious guilty road snacks, everything. So uh, enjoy. So I, let I guess let's slowly dig into this. Let's start off with what city you guys are in currently. We are in the villages of Florida. It is a 55 and over retirement community. That's Denise is happy as a pig in mud here. I love it. I went to here when I was 35. So everyone can just like jump off a building. Let me guess. <laughs> Biggest crime is golf cart accidents, correct? It's yeah. that or golf clubs being stolen out of your golf cart when you're in a bar having a cocktail. Yep. Yeah, that's yep. the biggest crime. I, right now, there's somebody whose son is living with them. We just we just found out. We did. He has a meth problem, and oh. everybody has been like, "Oh my gosh, watch your golf clubs!" <laughs> like in LA, if somebody has a meth problem, watch out—you're going to get your house broken into. Right. Get the copper clubs. pulled out, right? Yes. That's more of a yeah. '90s thing. I don't think, <laughs> unless it's really bad, like the wire type bad, they're not going to be pulling copper. Right, right. Yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah, in LA, it's more like you could get pistol whipped from somebody with some meth head. But here, it's uh, you watch out; they might take your nine watch iron. Your, yeah, or your yeah. Uh, your gnomes or your flamingos in the front. Is that yeah. is that a thing, or is that more of a? Oh, it is cliche? a thing. Okay. Yeah, it is a thing. Yeah, yeah there are have a lot of some flamingos. windmills, yeah. stuff like that. Windmills, yeah. flamingos, gnomes—they are very popular. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, or tell me and the listeners, because I am already well versed what you guys do with your moves and where you're at not financially but more i don't know journey wise like theseus yeah um okay so uh last year we decided that we were going to put our house up for sale in the los angeles market denise used to run a spa she had a client who was a real estate agent who came to her and said look I'm not going to predict what the market's going to do, but it looks like the Fed is going to raise interest rates. The market may take a dip, all this stuff. And I know you're trying to sell your house next year, but you may want to put it on the market now. We did. We feel pretty strongly. We got top dollar for it at that time. Yeah. So it was fantastic advice in the end. What that allowed us to do was wipe out all of our debt and travel the country. I can now work remotely. Thank you. I guess it's a, like one of the few things for a lot of people that was good that came out of the pandemic. Um, so the fact that I'm able to work from wherever we are uh, allowed us the opportunity to sort of hold off on picking a new hometown. And through that sort of mentality, uh, one of the fellow parents, uh, one of our daughter's best friend's parents, his name is Burt Kreischer. He's a comedian. He does his he does three podcasts, comedy tours, you name. It. He's really he just did a movie. So uh, we didn't know him well, but we knew him well enough where he drug me into the studio one day and said, look, you guys have kind of a unique thing going on. You should consider 
sort of chronicling your journeys in podcast form. I thought the more I thought podcasts were pretty saturated. I, I I didn't see it at first, but we tried it and they loved it. We got a great response from them. And so it was enough impetus for us to drag microphones out when we first left LA and begin our own podcast. And that's turned into a YouTube channel. Now we do cameras and lights and the whole thing. Uh, but we've been to I don't know, probably 30 cities at this point, three different countries, four different countries, 30 plus thousand miles. We do have our house here in the villages, like uh, she said, but this place was actually an investment property we purchased before we even sold before we even sold our house in Los Angeles. So we had this already and we use it now as a base camp in between journeys. So uh, we have scoured the South all through the South, uh, at least six, seven different cities in Texas, uh, Mississippi, Louisiana, Louisiana, you name a bunch of cities, like four cities in Alabama. Alabama. Um, And so we're just kind of on the hunt for our next hometown, like the place where we're going to buy, you know, the quote unquote big house. (laughs) And so uh, right now we sort of have our eyes set on the Northeast, Connecticut specifically, uh, seems to have been a really fruitful visit recently. So I'm actually going to go up there next week. And, you know, hopefully in the next calendar year, we have that sort of, we call, we keep calling it our forever home, like we're a bunch of rescue pets, but in a way <laughs> we are. And so, uh, so that's the gist. That's the thrust of the podcast, uh, our adventures. We don't really candy coat uh, the issues that we have with our adult children Denise has a mother who's 97 who has dementia and she is now staying here at the Florida property along with us and Denise is taking care of her. So the complexion of our podcast is sort of always changing because we're empty nesters who are straddling sort of two different generations in our family, but yet trying to carve out something that works for us where we can just you know, sort of slag off and have a good time with each other all day. So that's, that's kind of our story at this point. Yeah, it, it's that, that is the, he, he, he said it in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> it was that so, was a big nutshell. When, yeah, uh, that was good. <laughs> when we decided to do this, the podcast was not in our scope whatsoever. We just, we sold our house, our cars, our furniture, we sold everything and, um, and really just decided to travel until we found a new place to call home. The podcast came only 30 days before we were getting in the car. We had to be in the car August 1st and we recorded our very first episode, June 15th. That was, and and that was not even anything we had ever thought about doing. But looking back on it now, I mean, I'm really grateful that we did it, that Bert mentioned it to us, because if all else fails, we have this beautiful video of dialogue, yeah. a diary. We have of, the most expensive travel slideshow you've, we do. you've ever uh-huh. witnessed. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Bert and his wife Leanne have been so supportive of yeah. us over, you know, over this time. Leanne has had us on her show, like uh not like Leanne has had us on her show on her show t- three times now. And no, it's so, been twice. No, we did two episodes over Christmas oh, and then right. we did yeah, yeah, the very first yeah, episode. Yeah, so, so three true. episodes. Yeah. Uh and the best part is their fans were our first early uh listeners. Yes. So we actually made friends. We met 
one of, we met a couple of their fans in Covington, Kentucky that kicked it all off for us. Uh, you recently, when we were in New Jersey, you went to visit yes. uh, one of Burr's co-stars who's also a fan of their show and yeah. has been on their show. Yeah. So Stephanie, she, uh, she played uh, his wife in the movie and she was following our adventures. And she said to me, if you're ever, she's been in a lot of films. She's been in several Martin Scorsese films. And uh, she said, if you're ever in New York, New Jersey, come give me a call. Let's get together. Let's visit. And we did. And it, it, like, we've met very cool people. So uh, it, it's been an interesting ride. Uh, definitely. There's no question about it. Yeah. Did you guys have any thoughts like, like say the podcast didn't exist. What were you just just going to search around, basically relax? Any anything? I have like, an idea. What I was going to do. Yeah, go ahead. Let's, <laughs> let's hear you first, ladies first. Uh, yeah, I was just going to look for a new house and enjoy it, and maybe wherever that would be, whatever town that would be, start a small business. That was honestly what I had in mind. I just thought. I don't know what city it's going to be, but I'm going to really enjoy that city because I don't feel like as a, as a mom and as a business owner, I didn't, I, I enjoyed LA, but it was always rush. And I wanted something different in my life now. Like the kids are, I call in college. He and I are taking the time to find that, that town for us. I want to enjoy it. I want to decorate this house. I want to become friends with my neighbors. I want to open up a business in this little cute downtown, wherever that may be. That was where I, that was my vision. That was my vision board. So mine was a little different. Okay. Uh, mine was a little different in that because I finally was like, uh, so historically I worked in the television industry specifically in post-production. So what that meant was I sat in a box for an hour in my car in LA traffic. And then I went to a box in the studio and I worked for 10 hours. And then I sat in that car again. And so for 12 hours out of the day, I was constantly like confined and had to be in a certain place at a certain time. So the advantage of being able to work remotely and leaving LA for me meant we were going to rent in Savannah one month, and then we were going to rent in Nashville a month, and then we were going to rent in Knoxville a month, and we were going to work our way up the East Coast, and eventually I would work from Vermont for a month. So I sort of envisioned it a different way. I, I would say ultimately, so far, uh, what has happened is we're probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah, you know? we are. I mean, I knew that we were going to travel, so your whole one month yeah. here and one month there, that was part of my plan too but i i did see us settling down eventually sooner and we will kind of yeah for sure it's been I, over a year though like, it, I, I, know. Know. I mean i'm like i, it, I don't mind if it happens do you now. feel any i bet you don't feel any closer but you know kind of narrowed down the traits right like i heard oh. i already heard that you guys thought europe is out of the question because you won't be able to really like visit visit the girls as much right that yeah. is true yeah we can't move that far i mean I, I remember having lunch with some friends and we were just chatting about one day what if and all of us were saying oh we're gonna go to greece and open up a business and that you know that's those those dreams you think you're gonna do and it's like well no because my kids aren't gonna be able to see me and that's gonna be too right. expensive i'm not going to greece so uh yeah it sounded great in theory but then not realistic so uh kind of want to stay sort of near them but i don't know what that means because one's in texas one's in utah and one's in connecticut so i'm not sure yeah I guess you'll have to triangulate all three, yeah. but yeah. they're going to, they're probably move because they're all 
in I think one was leaving college, the other were in college. Yeah, or something two like were that. in college. Yeah, one's one's a sophomore, one's a junior, and the other one is out of college. So uh yeah, so we have one who's out, two that are still in. Okay. So we have narrowed it down. I mean, honestly, when we first got on the road, we were, we were that like, what do you call it? The person who goes on every date and thinks the person. Oh my gosh, I, I was the town slut. I really was. Like we rolled into every single town and I was like, I could totally live here. Like, I would what? love this place. Yeah, every place it didn't even matter. You know, I didn't even see the blemishes. It was just like, yeah. you're, you're my She's new hot. girlfriend. You're my new girlfriend, you know, uh, Zion. Like three kids, but he didn't care. Yeah. You're my new girlfriend, Sedona. You're my new girlfriend, Santa Fe, all the way across the country. So, also, you mentioned Zion. So, me and my wife have been to Zion. Yeah, and I heard a little tidbit that uh, you're you're afraid of heights. So, do you know what my next question is? No, what is it? Did you go to Angels Landing at all? I went up to see it. Yeah, that's where you were. Yeah, because you could see uh, from where I went. Oh no, I, I believe it was Angels Landing because you could see five different peaks from where I was standing. Yeah, and, uh, and it's like about a half an hour, forty minute climb, and uh, not all of it has railings. So the minute she yeah. saw no railings, she was out. Okay, so hold on. That we went up. I went up seven. Wasn't even stairs. You know, it's just rocks. So I went up seven rocks, and then I just said, "I'm not doing this." And he said, "What are you going to do?" I said. I'll go back to the car, but he had the key. So I couldn't get in the car and it was a hundred degrees. Yeah, it was you really remember hot. Where I was? It was really hot. I'd forget where you were hanging in the bushes. Out. Oh yeah, you were she was hiding in shadows, like wherever she could find shade. Like a lizard. Yeah, I thought I was gonna see a coyote because I was in there, I was in there coven or whatever you call it like i was the den. the den i was in the coyote den i was looking for like shelter in between rocks with bushes and i'm like oh, i want to find a coyote and like all their puppies yeah all their little coyotes to be fair yeah i i didn't make it all the way up i have a fear of heights and i think oh. my my wife didn't have one until she had kids and then she's like if i die what happens to the children yeah, yeah. and i'm just yeah. thinking about myself mortality <laughs> becomes real when you have offspring so, for sure do you have the fear that you're going to throw yourself over cuz that's no fear of fear of uh just being uh clumsy like yeah. I, I like and the the other thing is i don't know if you made it up that far but they show you how many people have died in that year did you see that i didn't like, see that no yeah they have like a right before you get too far like it's like where the first like chains are oh they, yeah they tell you like oh 13 people have died in the last two years from this oh my gosh there's that like what's the point that's how i feel like what's the point <laughs> to see a couple peaks no it's not adrenaline. Adrenaline. adrenaline it's totally worth it it yeah. is adrenaline you're so right. but but i do share your your uh your concern for clumsiness because i'm totally a bull in a china shop and uh if there was a, you know a little piece of gravel on that big stone that i'm standing on i'm gonna be i i would be the guy whose foot would find it Forge and all of a sudden i'd be sliding toward the edge and you know looking ugly scraping my fingernails and like hold on to the stone for all i'm worth uh -huh. yeah i didn't I, want him to go i kept saying don't do it yeah don't she's do like it. you're gonna fall over. yeah it's so it, clumsy it's not worth it uh it's, it's really not so I, I assume you guys have perfected your habits. So basically when you get into town, you guys, what's your, like what me and my wife love to do any town we go into is a bike ride just to kind of get a lay of the land, a tour guide. What, what's your, what's your go-to? Like, where do you guys find the best information or 
stuff food. like that. Yeah, food is our go-to. Michael, say, our food, food because uh, so we so we drive over our limit, and by the time we get to any given town, we're famished, like we're starving. So yeah. the first place we stop, and uh, we really just you know we're we're very good at shaking down the bartender or the waitress for any and everything they know. Yeah. for the local area. So that's our initial way of canvassing a place. And usually you could get three or four locations out of that. They'll give you one or two activities and three or four other good yeah, restaurants, They will, which is great because, you know, waiters and waitresses, they know the best places in town. So um, I mean, we went to Oklahoma City and the very first restaurant I went to, she told us about the fair. Yeah. I would not have known about the Oklahoma State Fair had she not told us. We said, hey, what should we do while we're here? And she's like, we got to go to the fair. Yeah. That was awesome. So, yeah. So hitting up waitresses, and waiters, bartenders when we get to a city, that's our very first plan of attack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's nice. Uh-huh. And it's, it's funny you mentioned those fairs. I never thought of it, but I feel like... And not not to put down the Midwest, but I would imagine the state fairs, like you're from Ohio. I would imagine yeah. the state fair is like humongous. It's incredible. Uh, the Canfield Fair, where I grew up, I don't think it still holds a title, but like my entire childhood, childhood, it was the largest county fair in the United States. So it was no joke. It went on for miles and, you know, pigs and you, you name it, everything. So uh, we had Huey Lewis in the news well, that's big deal. playing, you know, we had a country act. So there'd be, there'd be sort of one B lister at the time Huey Lewis played the Canfield fair. He was a B lister at that point. Um, and you know, they'll get uh, a country artist. They'll have a demolition derby, the tractor pulls, all that stuff. It's a big deal. I mean, people are at the grandstand all day long watching things. And so it's just very Americana to your point. Uh, the the Midwest really takes pride in their county fairs, and I don't I don't know if it's tradition or the fact that they have so much like wide space areas. Like if you were to think about like not that New York doesn't have wide space areas, but when you think New York, you always think New York City, yeah, right. and when you think Jersey, you think New York's little cousin. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, totally. Yeah, you 100%. you won't think the state fair. You would think of any other things that they have, like Maryland, yeah. where I'm from. You wouldn't think that either. You're from Maryland? Yeah. Oh, Maryland's so beautiful. I spent a summer in Annapolis. It was incredible. Man, I didn't see you saying that. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, at the time, it was really funny because it was in the 90s and I was a total metalhead. So I was surrounded by sailors and like, you know, midshipmen and stuff like that. And so I didn't really fit the profile of being in Annapolis for a summer. But man, my buddy and I had a good time. So no, that's all. what year did you say? I would say 92, something okay. like that. 92. 92. Two things I got to remember. One. I'm going to get flack for this, but I, I don't like crabs. And I feel like that's such an un-Maryland thing to say. Yeah. Um, I don't think opening the crabs and like, you know, like the 10 steps to get to the actual crab. It's, it. it's not yeah. a lot of work. For like this little meat, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll get flack, but I don't care. Uh, <laughs> and then two, I saw that you guys, at one point you had listed uh, the cities, because obviously I was looking at the East Coast ones that you guys were going to visit to. And Asheville was one of them. What happened to Asheville? We didn't make it. Yeah, we still haven't made it. it. So we were going to hit Asheville on the way to Connecticut, but our plans got changed. And my daughter and I had to fly to Connecticut. He had to drive and he had a deadline. So Asheville's still on our list. Um, Maybe we're hoping 
seen with my mother living with us now, it's going to be a little more challenging to get out there, but we're hoping possibly we could hit another city before the end of the year. And I, we would, Asheville would, is definitely on that list still because it's, it, it is, Asheville has been really popular for the past 10 years. This is not something within the last couple of years. It has been on yep. so many lists, I would say in the past 10 years. Have you been to Asheville? I have. Um, it's, it. it's quite nice. Uh, it's kind of like, I, I don't know if this is going to turn you guys off of it. It's like what Seattle was in like 2008. It's like keep Austin weird type vibes, but a more oh, like organic, yeah. you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, let's, it, I would assume that they vote very liberal there. Like right. if, if I had to, it's a blue dot and a red sea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like Austin in Texas, yes. basically. Yes. Totally. Um, but yeah, uh, I feel like we probably missed the boat on it, to be honest with you. Like, what, we all, should, uh, Asheville? Asheville in terms of real estate? Oh, um, oh, oh, yeah. Like it's now like it's it's probably like, what do you jump the shark? Yeah, right. It's a little that, bit like, out of reach. Right? Like, yeah, like five years ago or six years ago, it may have been the place where we could was more affordable. Now, it's just it's the new Austin. Like, you know, it's like the Seattle, what you said. Exactly. Everyone's like Asheville, Asheville. So I don't know. But we did want to get there. I mean, it was. It has been on our map for a while. I had the fortune, the good fortune to work in Knoxville about 12 years ago. I was there for three weeks. They offered me a job. We, we could not uh, make the money work, but I knew Asheville was just, you know, however many hours away. And then Denise and I actually stayed with the kids once in Bryson City, which is a little too rural for what we want. But everybody was like, if you just go toward, Na toward I'm sorry, toward Asheville, uh, then you're going to find exactly what you're looking for, plus all of this nature that North Carolina still had, the mountains still has to offer. So we just didn't make it. Yeah, we just have we haven't made it then either. Um, I booked a job and I had you know 18 hours basically to get all of our daughter's stuff up to school in Connecticut. So it was with tears in my eyes that I kept driving past the Asheville. You know, the freeway uh, off the 95 where it said you can go this way to Asheville. And I just kept going. So yeah. would you suggest it as a visit? I, I would definitely suggest it for a visit. Uh, the only uh, when did I visit it? It was a long time ago. It was in if I had to guess 2010. I had a friend who was running track at the university there. And oh. I I always thought because we went to a, a couple of restaurants that they were going through the trash and doing the like recycling they were doing like the uh oh uh, they really were yeah they recycling. were were they doing the upcycling through with is that what you're seeing like old making it new yeah like the employee well not upcycling well that they probably do too i didn't see that they but, were sifting bottles or they were sifting yeah they were sift, like the employees oh. would go through the trash and do the composting and this was okay. like wow. so long ago and yeah. i like from where i was from i was like what are they doing like yeah. Like throw the trash away. Yeah. Like, oh, it was something wow. like completely off, like in 2010, where I'm from. That's not like yeah. a thing. They were even, composting before composting was even a thing. Exactly. I, I didn't even know what composting was then. It was like, oh, okay. What, what are we doing with this pile? We're trying yeah. to stink up a room. I don't know. Right. Oh, <laughs> uh, they were, oh, so they were very, um, what's the word? Uh, they were very They're progressive. They were very yep. progressive. But yeah, that's why I, I lumped them in with like Seattle, the same vibes sure. I get with Portland, even yeah. though Portland, I think, has come down a little bit. Um, and obviously Portland Austin, though. 
Portland's just weird though. Like Portland, Portland is weird. It's, it's, I can't explain it. I feel saturated now though. I mean, when we were it's there, so weird. It, it, there are some weird pockets for sure. They're intent on keeping Portland weird. First. Yeah. There's no question. Isn't that, that where the original phrase came from anyway? Yeah, Wasn't it Portland. from Portland? Yep. Yeah. 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 And um, then Austin took Austin it. Austin just co-opted it. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, it did feel like there was just. It's so strange. It felt like a lot of yuppies in the areas we were when we were in Portland. Not that I'm proud boys. And Proud Boys, yeah. yeah. Proud Boys were there. They were marching while we were there. I saw yeah. somebody offered up a two-word definition for the state of Oregon, and it was called it was hippie bully. <laughs> and that was it. It's like hippies and bullies. That was a hippie uh-huh. bully. Uh-huh. So no, I definitely get that. Yeah. And it, it's kind of like that in Virginia, if you guys have ever been like Northern Virginia is like super liberal. You've got like all the granola people, you've got the people working for like the government, all those high. Yeah, I was going to say, but aren't they conservative? Like, don't they all work for the DOD and all that stuff? Uh, maybe, maybe not, huh? Well, it, it's different when you, well, you have DC there and just yeah. everybody wants like amazing schools for your children and all oh, inclusive yeah. stuff. Yeah. But like, as soon as you like drive out about like 20 miles, it's completely different. Like, yeah, wow. you you know, when you go to the gas station and you see the Biden stickers, and he points to the the price of gas and it says, I did this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, I actually had to stop uh, for gas in Southern Virginia. And yeah, it felt like just another extension of North Carolina, to be honest. So, yeah. But uh, back on to you guys. Uh, what is like, what's your big no? Like when you get to a city, each of you, like what what is one thing that's kind of like now? Like we can stay the rest of the stay here, but we're this is not going to be our our town. This is completely off the list. Is there for anything me, like that? Yeah, for yeah. me, it's crime. It's okay. always crime. Crime's like that's it. I don't care. It could be the most charming downtown. We we went to Laurel, Mississippi, and Laurel, Mississippi is one of the most charming five mile radius or three mile radius. But outside of that, it is Thunderdome. Yep. And so I um, I don't care if the house is $200,000. I can't go outside my three miles. We found a house for $450,000 or $400,000 that was 4,500 square feet oh, yeah. in Louisville, Kentucky. We found a palace in Louisville, Kentucky. It yeah. was a palace. But two, a mile or two was strip joints, drug dealers. And no. So for yeah. me, it's crime. It's always crime. Backo, uh uh check check cash yeah yeah i understand that look i i i lived on the north side of chicago when it wasn't i went to school there and it wasn't a great neighborhood we'd hear bullets gunshots the whole nine yards um that's something you do when you're in your 20s and you want to be cool and whatever not in your 50s you want to be safe in your 50s you just want to live you want to be able to wake up the next morning (laughs) yeah yeah for sure i would say mine is uh dollar generals i i just uh for me the dollar general if i see a dollar general in a downtown area in a main thoroughfare that is like the heartbeat of the city i'm out I can't do, I, I, if you want to put a dollar general on the outskirts of town or over by the freeway or something, that's fine. But on main street, forget it. There's no way there's absolutely no way I can do a dollar general town. That's what I learned in Virginia. I thought it was always just like a dollar store, 
But yeah. then I went to the outskirts in some Virginia area and realized that it was actually the grocery store. Like it was a yeah. large um, thing. I didn't even know. Yeah. That and it's nothing against it's nothing against Dollar General or their business model or the people who shop there or what have you. It just tells me that if they're planting it like bang, that's our flag. We're planting it in the middle of town, that that's the best they have to offer. And for me, I, you know, I'd rather have the 130 year old pharmacy like the one we found in Kingsville, Texas or something right. like that. You exactly. know, and I, I'd rather go into a rundown mom and pop place and you know worry like the the gravy's delicious but were there roaches here i don't know i don't care this food is so good you know <laughs> kind of like place you know then uh then then to sort of find these chains that you know just sort of they ruin the landscape and they yeah. just cheapen the town they just cheapen it so um like yeah i mean you said it best really if they're going to plant their flag there and say this is the best we can do we don't really want to be, I, I, I agree. I wouldn't want to be, I don't want to do yeah. that either. Yeah. And I just, you know, I, I feel like um, uh, the towns that have the most pride are never, ever going to allow that to happen. We went to Micanopy, Florida, mm -hmm. and they refused to let a Dollar General or whatever yeah. the heck it was yeah, be put. General. Yeah. I mean, the, the people in the local town went nuts when they found out there were plans for this thing and they totally fought it tooth and nail. And through their efforts and i think there was some sort of fluke i remember there was some sort of um districting thing or something like weight capacity or something like something that. like that it went oh there was a weight capacity so the the tractor trailers that would feed a dollar general they could get in the parking lot or something not, like that. yeah they could not oh. go down the main street so yeah. that was a deal killer right there but what for whatever reason it worked out for them and so like those are that's i would say that's the kind of town we're we're looking for you know that makes that makes complete sense i saw something i, I don't know if it was like a business post or something like that, where you're talking about, like, if you ever want to place a business, always look where the Starbucks are because they do extensive research on the flow, yeah, on the yeah, development. Good, yeah. And like, they don't just throw a location anywhere. Right. Um, and it's probably the same way with McDonald's. You know how McDonald's doesn't actually really make much money on their food. Like they make some like money, but the primary is the real estate. Like they're yes. just like, picking these like nice locations that they're thinking is going to flourish and then the rent goes up and then yeah well you know they they i mean the saying goes if you see a starbucks that neighborhood is changing and i that's that there's there's truth to that i mean yeah. if people can afford a five dollar cup of coffee their income is higher than that of a dollar general and that's just the truth that's true, because in Inglewood, California, they put a Starbucks in on the way to SoFi Stadium, which was a huge endeavor. And uh, but, you know, in that section of Inglewood for the longest time, it was a place where people really, you know, you had to go there to get to the forum. Anybody who knows Los Angeles knows sort of where this area is, uh, but it was not a fantastic neighborhood. So the fact that now it has a Starbucks traffic's still a nightmare, but at least, you know, you got a couple of nice places to choose from on your way to see a game or what have you. And, uh, you know, the the property values have increased in that general vicinity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, makes complete sense so you can add that to your your algorithm you guys are making right yeah we really should <laughs> i mean if we were more mathematically inclined i think we we would sort of have some sort of algorithm when we roll up right. into a town some sort of quotient and then you know to judge it but i i you know we do have to be careful because even though a town's not for us 
there have been several towns that we've been in where we're almost, you know, instantly one of us has had a visceral reaction where it's like, no, I'm not feeling this, but we'll stay here for a few days or what have you. And uh, you got to be careful because you're talking about the place where people live and there are people who are proud to live there. So we've always sort of like, I think even from the earliest conversations we had about it, we've never been inclined to do some sort of rating scale yeah. for a house, for a hometown or anything like that. It's just kind of BS. It's, you know, it, I mean, it's, you do a top five. We'll do a top do. five and a bottom things five. We, things, things we like, we like and, and don't things like. Things we don't like, yeah. right. But, um, and I think it's also, to your point, uh, we are there only for a week. Sometimes the goal was to stay a month, but in some places we don't we don't have the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Or the truth is we don't want to do that. Uh, so we have to be we have to be fair that the statements we're making are only based on seven days. Yeah. So we're still just a visitor at that point. Like we stayed in Savannah for a month and almost. And so for us, we felt like we were in it every single day. We could really, we felt like we locals. Sense. Yes. But when you're only in a place for a week, I don't know if you get the same sense. I mean, you get a sense for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. You just don't get that, that every day, but there are some towns, Michael, where I don't think you necessarily need to be there a month. You can get a good feel for it, especially if it's a small town with a small amount of people. Seven days, you could have you could have done a lot of you know traveling on that town and have hit a lot of places. So yeah. um yeah, I don't know. I mean the disadvantage for us is we don't get to be in every town on Fourth of July because that would be a great yeah. litmus test, right? Yes. Like what's the parade like? What are the people like? Are the people do they have hometown pride? And and you know, for us, I think that's the biggest thing. Like we want a place where things are sort of already happening or established it's a sweet spot, right? It's like, you don't want a place like Asheville that's already popped off. And now you feel like, oh, I can't really, like I'm trying to double Dutch into a house that I can truly afford and all this. Um, but we want a place where there seems to be enough ingenuity and we can almost instantly become a part of the fabric of the community and start contributing. She wants to open up a business. I want to hang out and talk with bartenders and restaurant <laughs> people all day. Like I want, I want to be a part of the community or, you know, volunteer at the local boys and girls club. We don't have kids. Uh, all my kids played sports. I love sports. So, you know, maybe that's in the future for me to just, you know, contribute my time to an organization like that. But you, like we want a town where it's like right away, people are like, Hey, you, you can help out over here. Yeah. And we're eager to do that, you know? So. And a town that we really felt that was Auburn, Alabama. It's true. They yeah. really like that would be a town if anybody wanted to jump in and feel welcome and and do the Boys and Girls Club, open up a business and get a real community feel. Oh, Auburn, Alabama is a is Laurel, a Mississippi, I would say as well. Laurel, Mississippi was pretty yeah, high. You have that outside area that you can't travel to. I know. Laurel, question. I'm I'm not a college football guy, but Auburn is in Auburn, correct? Yeah. So you didn't have that college. Uh, college type vibe with that oh is that something that pushes you guys off at all no in fact we i i love that because it's young people and it's uh, so much energy in the city so uh if there's a college that's in town and um the the, the town embraces that college i'm all for it I, that to me is that's that goes in a check mark that's on the, the right side like yeah this is this is this is for me i have yeah. one for your list that i completely forgot Oh, tell us. Definitely take a visit to Blacksburg. Blacksburg, Blacksburg. 
uh, Virginia that, Tech is in Blatt's, oh, Blacksburg, oh, in Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. Okay. So they are very like that. So I'm from Maryland, like I said, uh-huh. and going to Virginia, people where I'm from in, in Maryland, MoCo, we call it, are very like direct. They don't hold the door for you. They're like n- not nice, not the nicest people to strangers. But you go to Virginia Tech, like everyone holds the door for you. It's like, oh, how nice. Like it's like a 10 second wait. It's not like a, like a, and I, like you don't have to run. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And it's like that type vibe. And they've got so many like small town stuff just because, you know, it's a college town and stuff like that. Yeah. We're going to have to check it out for sure. At least look at some videos to see. Thank you. Don't book the tickets. But I would say overall, a university town is is definitely on our list, especially if it's close to, you know, sort of a, a mid-range, a larger airport. Yeah, uh, I, I find there are a lot of advantages. Like, look, we're in our 50s now. A university hospital is going to become important <laughs> to us at some point in the future. Yeah. Uh, Salt Lake City is one of my favorites for that reason alone. They have a fantastic, you know, medical network there. Um, I, I think and. Like Salt Lake City or like Blacksburg, where you're talking about, or even when I spent time in Knoxville, the University of Tennessee is right yeah. there. You get these kids like all over, you know, like I say kids, but they're young adults all over the place. I just feel like it's great for the vibrancy of a community to have old folks, young folks, everybody mixing in. You go to the town square, you see people of all stripes. That's kind of like our vibe that we're, we're into that. So, yeah. Um. And I, I don't mind uh, not being the smartest person in the room. And I don't mind if a younger person is the smarter person than me in that room, as long as they're getting their medical degree or what, you know, it's good to know that the future's in good hands, you know? So we, we feed off that vibe. Absolutely. So let's say, and you've probably had this since your podcast has been going on for a year. What have you said to people who are trying to do something similar to that? Obviously not the podcast part, but uh, basically selling all their things and looking for a new hometown to go to. You want to go first? I would say don't ask permission. Just do it. You know, again, uh, especially if you're at a point in your life where you feel like you've done everything right and you've lived in a certain place for the longest time and your kids are grown. I mean, I'm just speaking specifically about empty nesters because that's our bracket. Um, but really anyone, even millennials, you know, if you find yourself sort of floundering around or what have you, and you believe there's something better out there for you, there is, there absolutely is. And uh, don't bounce the idea off your brother or off your mother or no, off of, not, you know, your, your best friend or whatever. Just if you're feeling it, then, you know, lay down a little bit of groundwork and go for it. That would be my advice. We have, I have a listener who um, found us through uh, Burton Leanne and she is, has four grown children and um, did exactly what we're doing. Exactly. Single woman though. And she, she reaches out to me. She's so sweet and she'll send me messages. And she did just recently ask me my thoughts about her driving from, um, she is right now in New Jersey to uh, California because two of her children live there. I told her I didn't advise it for not, she's like in her sixties. That's a long drive. If it was New Jersey to Georgia, fine. But New Jersey to California, I said, bring a friend, you know, what is that, like so, 2,600 miles or something like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's just dangerous. What if the car breaks down? I yeah. mean, it's just it's just a safety issue. And um, but I love that she did what we did, and she's searching. We are searching for a moderate, like I mean, temperature wise, we want. I want a moderate temp tempered place. I don't want too cold. I don't want too hot. She, on the other hand, is so different. She wants really really cold. Like she's looking in Vermont. So I'm sending her to like Wisconsin to Michigan. I'm like, these are the places you want yeah. to visit. And then she's sending me to like other areas that are more. She's like, oh, this place was too warm for me, Denise. You and James should check it out. So um, yeah, I I'm all for it. I mean, I have a girlfriend who has talked about leaving and moving elsewhere. And since we did it, it's really hard for me not to be a proponent about it because our experience has been so good. And um, so you're the exact opposite of talking to your friends. Oh yeah, do it. And then you find out that they've got like 50 or a hundred thousand dollars of debt already. We are are definitely the devil on your shoulder. So like we're the wrong person to listen to. If if you're on the fence about going and like picking up and leaving, if you're, if you're the least bit concerned about what you're leaving behind, you probably don't want to dip into our show because we are the ones who are going to get you loading that car for sure. So we have, we have no regrets about it. So we're not that person that did it and thought, and now we're saying, Oh, I don't know. You shouldn't do it. Yeah. We, we did it and um, we're still really enjoying it. And, and, and some of it hasn't turned out the way we had planned and other things have been way better than we ever anticipated. Yeah. It's not always pretty. But it's working. But sometimes it's really pretty. Yeah. Sometimes it's amazing. But I feel like you always have to have those like bad moments to make the good moments feel so much better. Like I was going to mention this, you guys. um, And this happens when I go on trips with my wife because we never really spend one on one time together. But you guys, I mean, your hours together has dramatically increased, right? You're working on the show (laughs) and you're driving and you're traveling so much, right? Like, Uh uh-huh. How how have, in this last year from I guess when you had your yard sale uh-huh. to now how much like like if you had to say how much do you know each other better than you did that year ago because I feel like that time just gets so c- condensed especially in turmoil in like bad times and good times yeah. that you realize stuff about each other more. I think from my perspective, I get to see, you know, because Denise's full-time job is working on the show. And so she is its only full-time employee at this point. Uh, I I do it, but I, you know, I'll edit an episode and then I go back to my job and, or I'll, we'll sit and record. And, and so just, um, I, when she ran her business in Los Angeles, we weren't together day to day. And so just seeing her sort of resiliency and her ability to pivot when you know like a social media thing falls flat on its face or it's time to replace uh you know maybe the service we're using here isn't the best service for us and going it's is like the wheels are always spinning sometimes until two or three in the morning for her and um it's just uh it's magnificent to watch because i never got to see her in that capacity like we never ever worked together before you know and so that part is has been really illuminating just to how she thinks you know uh sides of her i've never seen before oh thanks yeah in a great way you know so (laughs) thanks yeah um for me with him uh you know what this trip has been really 
surprising because he's a very quiet person. Like when we're together and I, I've mentioned this before that my biggest fear on doing this trip was that he wouldn't talk because on his days off, he's watching TV or he's on his phone or he's on the computer or something. And I get it. Like he worked really hard. He worked 60 hours that week and he's just trying to escape. But it took me a long time to realize that that's what he was trying to do was escape. Now I know what it was, but that doesn't negate the fact that he was very quiet. So he's talked a lot. Like the fact that he wanted to do a podcast, I was like, <laughs> you want to do a podcast? You don't even talk. Like, how do you want to do a podcast? What am I going to say? Yeah. So, um, so he very talkative very talkative uh, in the car. And um, that is something that is completely new. And we've been together for 25 years, never talked in the car before, never. So I'd bring magazines, Michael, magazines when we go on road trips, because I'm like, oh yeah, I'm not going to sit here in silence. He's out of his mind. <laughs> She's all militant about it. Uh, I'm in my, I can be in my head a lot for sure. But I, I just think uh, that escape that she's talking about i've been able to find through travel now you know no that that's great yeah i the only reason i bring that up is just it's always like you don't understand it until you've actually gone through it yeah and i feel like that's across the board on many things but that's one thing with my wife i feel like i always get like a, a brand new side of her if we've got like a condensed amount of time in a completely different ecosystem yeah. And it's, maybe without the kids too. Oh, 100%. Um, I remember we were starting this trip. I've said this story a couple of times where a client of mine at the spa, her wheels were going when I told her I was closing my business and what I was doing. And I could just see it, see it. And, and she started asking me questions like, if I wanted to do what you're doing, what would be the first thing? Like, what would be, what would the very first thing? So the very first thing I asked her was, was her job a job that she could do remotely or was she willing to give up that job and try something else but, but her job she could do remotely she was a teacher so she she was already doing online classes anyway then the uh, I, several questions i asked her then one of the questions was have you traveled with your husband in the car for like more than a couple of hours and she had not and i said to her okay i go before you put that for sale sign up at your house you have to do an a, a road trip, like an overnight, just even if it's a Friday to a Saturday. Please don't tell me this turns into a murder no, uh, right. situation. It sounds like it's going to turn into a <laughs> podcast. No, I mean, but it was honestly, it was, I I told her. True said, crime with Denise Gordon. Go on. I said, you have to see, do you like the music he plays? Does he make like weird sounds with his mouth when he's driving? Does he tap his foot all the time? Like these are things that will drive you crazy across country trip. I mean, if it's driving you crazy for just seven hours on an overnight trip. So, you know, just that. Like, And, and if you're not in a car with somebody, you don't, will not know that i mean look everyone knows that a trip can make or break a relationship oh a car ride can too yeah that's facts that's facts really <laughs> yeah i feel like people are yeah completely different it's like I, I try to eat as healthy as possible when i'm home but as soon as you get me on a road trip it's just I like do. you have free license over any right. tummy sour snack like that's right i don't know why everyone and what I'll, I'll pay any price. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, every everybody should buy road snacks like they're a nine year old. 
I mean, it's just, that's just the way it needs to be. Somebody you know? said to me one time, there are no rules on the road. There are no rules when it comes to food. You just do whatever you want. I'm like, oh, because that's how we behave, actually. The first several months, and we started to pay a price, especially with my personal waistline, you know, <laughs> I was like, uh, we got to do a, lot, a little more hiking, a lot less uh, barbecue or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's a funny one. Uh, so you guys mentioned that your three daughters and you've got your mom you're taking care of. Yeah. Um, tell me if this is too deep of a question. I heard a, like a quote a couple, like a week back or two weeks. And I was like, this would be perfect for the interview. It's from a different language. So I'm going to try to remember it as best I can. But by the time you know to pay back your parents for all the stuff they did to raise you, it's too late. Oh. Do, do you feel like, well, we'll ask about like your parents. Do you guys feel like you've given them enough back? And then we'll ask, what do you think about your kids? Cause I, I think about it. Like, I don't need anything from my kids. Like I'm just right. happy they're here. Yeah. Um, I think I, I've definitely given my parents back. Um, I was always a really good kid and I did a lot for my parents. My parents were older. So my mom had me when she was 45 and my dad was 50. So put it into perspective when I was 20, my dad was 70 years old. So, um, I grew up with parents that everyone, no matter where I was thought were my grandparents. So in some ways I probably treated them like that. And the way you treat your grandparents is always much different than the way you would treat your parents. So I always had a sense of taking care of them from a very young age. I mean, on our third date, what did I say to you? Yeah, you said, uh, if we're going to be together, then, then one day, I'm just letting you know, my parents are part of the deal because they're so much older. So yeah, and they'll be probably living with us. Yeah. And that's good that he remembered that. Look at that. That was quick. Well, I, I mean, you know, it's it is so by the time I met her parents, they were already in their 80s. Uh, and so uh, it it was you know, upon upon the first meeting, it was pretty apparent, you know, her father at that point was already at the stage where all he wanted to do was watch Fox News all day long and sit in the bed <laughs> or sit in the couch and sit in the bed. And he would go from one room to uh -huh. another. And that was it. That was his day. Um, he did find some things to do outside to keep him busy. Uh, yard work and whatnot. But uh, for the most part, I knew like they were already octogenarians pretty much like the Close. day that I met them. So yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I, it, when I met them, of course, I remembered uh, my deal that I made with her. Like if we're going to be together, this is going to be a thing in my life. So it was pretty yeah. apparent. I mean, it's, 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 it's easy to not forget. I mean, my parents were very, very generous. Absolutely. So to say that I took care of them, it, it's not fair because they really financially very much took care of me and James and our and our three kids always, like their wallet was always open to our family and to my brothers, to be fair. Everyone, everyone got their fair share financially from my parents, um, but they were always there as parents too. So um, they definitely did more for me than I did for them, but I was a very giving child. There's no question about it. I did a lot for my parents. Yeah. I would say in my case, I had uh, both of my parents are deceased, but uh, you use the words, uh, you know, realizing it too late. I would say with my father, I definitely realized I could have been a lot more helpful to him 
before he passed away and he died fairly young. He died at 57. Uh, it was sudden, it was a heart attack. And I had to be the one to go to his place and sort of go through everything. Uh, and, you know, it's in an unexpected death, you realize just how people are living because everything is stuck right there in that moment. Uh, and so what I realized was my father probably, you know, he's a prideful guy. He was his own man, uh, but he probably could have used a bit of financial help from me as his son uh, that he was never, ever going to ask for. And so I feel like I could have been a little more intuitive uh, in terms of being able to provide him some of that assistance when he was alive. And it does bother me a little bit, even to this day, that I wasn't really reading the tea leaves on that. Uh, with my mother, it was a slightly different situation. She had my stepfather. And, you know, it was kind of like her. I was a very good son to her. Talked to her at least two, three times a week, always in tune with sort of where she was and what was going on. But she was more of a person that was not really inclined to help herself, you know, and, uh, and my stepfather was the same way. So it was more a situation like, you know, like I was sort of parenting, we talked about this parenting your parents, in one of our episodes. And I just felt like every ounce of advice, the slightest bit of advice I could give my mother to like improve her life just a little bit, always fell on deaf ears. And so in the end, I feel like well, I it's weird. It's like with one parent, I, I felt like I could have given more. On the other hand, I felt like I gave more than I could possibly ever give another human being. It was only because she was my mother that I was willing to go as far as I did, you know? So most people would have cut bait and moved on to a different, you know, relationship. You don't, in my view, you don't get to do that with your mom. So, but I, I did my best, you know. Going through your dad's stuff was such an abrupt death. That, that must be like one of the hardest moments you've ever had, right? Yeah, it was uh, it was made especially difficult at the time uh, because my brother was a truck driver and he was he was driving. He was on the road and he had, you know, uh, my niece and nephew were very small at the time. And it caused a lot of friction between he and I because he actually still lived in the hometown where my dad lived. I was all the way out in Los Angeles. Uh you know, I, I think we said at the top of this, I grew up in Ohio. So, you know, very small town in Ohio. And uh, there was a sense of um, entitlement on my brother's part because he had been around all these years and had visited on weekends or whenever he was available to kids. His kids had a relationship with my father that my children did not because I was so far away. And now all of a sudden I was like big brother coming in here and sort of swinging my weight around or whatever and calling the shots on the funeral. And it was a very, very difficult time. I had a couple of like my two uncles, my dad's brothers were super instrumental in sort of writing the ship between my brother and I and just guiding us through a tremendously painful process. Uh, but I would say, yeah, I mean, realizing and this is just we've talked about this a little bit in our um uh, episodes here and there comes up, uh, but just the cost of medical care in the United States and realizing my dad was paying like $700 a month in small town, Ohio for his meds just to stay alive every month. And so that was like, there was just so much I didn't know about his life, you know, and what he was keeping from me just so it was in a way he was shielding it from me. And I guess that's a difference between my two parents. Now that we're talking about him, I'm going deep, but, uh, 
one parent didn't shield me from any of the BS and one parent shielded me from all of it. And so uh, that, but during that time, yeah, it was a really, it, it was a painful process. I'm super eternally grateful to my uncles uh, who really just showed my brother and I a lot of love and a lot of patience during that time. And fortunately, I'm happy to say that, you know, my brother just came down to visit me for my birthday back in May. And, uh, you know, we still get along tremendously. Our relationship's better than it's ever been as adults. And so uh, that was the one bright spot to come out of it. And, you know, I think my dad would be happy with the result. So. Oh, that's great to hear. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how those like really uh, soul crushing moments come back and kind of yeah. make it better than it was. Last question. And feel free to take your time to think about it, each of you. Uh, what is something that your parents did that you passed on to your girls or are still passing on to your girls? And what is something that you kind of did new or uh, different that your parents did? And we can kind of add on to what you you both said. Yeah. Do you know your answer yet? I do. Okay, go ahead. So my dad was a very much a 1950s type of guy where the woman's place was in the kitchen. That's just how it was. But he and my mom both raised me to not take shit from anybody. I mean, my dad, he was a Chicago cop. And if anyone just wronged me in the slightest, it was like, we're taking them to task. And he was like that my entire life. Um, I was going to be a lawyer. And um, he was my biggest advocate. I mean, really, like my whole life, my whole adult life. I remember when I had kids. Um, it was like, I think my third kid and he came to visit, they came to visit often and I, we were having dinner and he said to me, he said, does anyone here ever talk about how you are magna cum laude at Loyola university of Chicago? <laughs> does anyone in this house ever talk about that? And I said, why would they dad? Well, my biggest task is stacking the dishwasher. And he's like, well, somebody should be talking about that. And you know, this is a guy who like had my, didn't he, this is a guy who didn't even know what the washer and dryer was in our home. He didn't even know what the toaster was. Okay. Like my mom did everything for him. So the fact that he treated me like that, that was so different for a man of hit in his era to, to have that for me. So I would say that is something that they instilled in me that I definitely instill in my daughters. Um, something different though, that that I would say, gosh, that I've done differently with them is I do discuss things more. Like when I grew up, it was just the way it was. I mean, there was not a whole lot of discussion. Like this is the way it is. So you don't question it. But with my girls, that's not the case. Um, I'm their biggest advocate about life things. So um, whereas my mom wasn't always my biggest advocate or and I say my mom, because she was with me all the time, if something bad happened at school and I came to her crying, she wasn't like, Oh, I'm going to call the principal. And you know why? Cause no one did that back then. No one called the principal. No one questioned a doctor. Uh, I have, I drilled into my girls. You question everything. I don't care. Like, um, when we were growing up, we feared authority. Uh, you don't question an, an adult. Uh, they know best. No, I'm completely opposite. Adults know nothing. Like they are just old people. If there is a problem, you question it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would say in my case, uh, the things that my parents did 
that I still do for my children. The biggest thing I would say would be cookouts. We were huge with cookouts growing up. I grew up on a lake. Everybody, not everybody, the rich people had boats. Unfortunately, my my one uncle was one of them. Uh, but every weekend was sort of a cookout at grandma's house, burgers, dogs. On a great day, you had brisket. When we first bought our house in L.A., you know, you walk through the inside and it was like this 1940s orchard house. And it was just like kind of run down and super basic. And then I walked into the backyard and I saw this behemoth brick grill. And I was like, this is our house. Like, <laughs> this is totally where we're moving. Yeah, I'll <laughs> so, that brick grill. Yeah. And uh, cut to, you know, a month later, I realized, oh, it's really like gumming up the vision of the backyard and everything. So I took a sledgehammer to it. But we, I mean, we spent so many summers at that pool, like all day, every day inviting friends over you name it and um i would be at the grill the entire day like there were parties we had i invited like 60 70 people yeah, i'd be just funny. sweating just sweating and cooking and sipping a beer and loving life it was like the best thing guarding the ship yeah yep. i would say are you okay like he'd be dripping and so i'm like are you okay you he's like i'm great what's broken? yeah yeah so so uh, but you know, little things too, like holiday traditions. Like I'm, I am the stocking stuffer guy in the house. Uh, so I was always like, just you know, stuffing as much crap as I could in it, like just worthless junk that I found at Walgreens or whatever, and just stuffing it in there. So the kids had that one extra boost after they were done opening their presents. So that was kind of one thing. And then I, I'd say the one thing that we do differently that my parents didn't do when I left LA. I didn't know if I was ever going to see my parents again. Um, if things didn't go well with me or if I wasn't doing well financially, I knew my parents were not the type to just get on a plane and come visit me. And in fact, my father had never made it to Los Angeles before he passed away. The one thing that we do differently than my parents did for me was I knew when I moved to Los Angeles that I may never, ever see my parents again because they were very small town minded and a little bit of old school, like you were talking about, where it's like the kids should return home to see their parents and we don't have to go visit them. And so uh, I knew if I wasn't making any sort of money to fly home to see my parents, I wasn't going to see them very often for the rest of my life, especially because Denise and I were starting a family in Los Angeles. So uh, my father never, ever made it out to Los Angeles. Um, he passed away too early and then my mother did come out, but the only time my mother ever really came out was when I bought the ticket for her. It's true. And so, uh, just, it was just like kind of where I came from. Like people didn't make that sort of effort. If you left, you left and that's on you was sort of the mentality in the town where I grew up. And, uh, I would say the one thing we we've already proven we're doing differently is we're looking for a house near, uh, you know, Hartford, Connecticut or New Haven, Connecticut. So we can be close to one daughter. We helped our daughter, our other daughter buy a house in Corpus Christi. Uh, and we stayed there for two months with her. Yeah. And it's like last year I went and I cooked food for my daughter in Salt Lake city. I stayed there for a week, uh, and, you know, invited all her friends over for dinner and all that stuff and love to go see football games. So we are actually actually, unlike my parents, like we are more than eager to chase our children all over the country. So and we we understand like they're starting their own lives now, they're going to be starting their own families. And we're just going to be we're going to be just a part of that eventually, right? Uh, 
but we have the means, fortunately, so far, and uh, the mobility. Why should we? It's e- it's a lot easier for us to buy two plane tickets than it is for them to sort of uproot their lives or stop their own dreams to figure out how to be around us. You know? Yeah. And when when you were talking about that, it reminds me of like when me and my wife like got married, had kids. You start having that conversation, like, oh, where are we going for Christmas? Like on mother's day like yeah yeah we've, we've got to celebrate you it's not just about like it's your true. mom yeah. too it's like you've got to you got to think of the grander picture about like yeah who to celebrate and what to give a certain i don't know appreciation for your moms too Completely, so, yeah yeah i guess you guys will have to deal with that at some point I hope yeah. not too soon. <laughs> well, that's true. That is true. Life is, th- things are complicated enough. Certainly, yeah. we don't need that quite yet. Yeah, but yeah, those are great answers, guys. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and is there anything you guys are working on? You guys want to shout out? Uh, what are we working on? Good question. I mean, we're just uh, you know we are uh, continually in the process of trying to build our YouTube channel youtube.com forward slash at skip town all stars is the uh, handle there and uh you know follow us on social media yeah we have a lot of um different videos we do uh on youtube so the podcast is one thing we have an hour-long format on the podcast but we do these little shorts on youtube they're not really shorts because they're 20 minute uh we do an ask a local they're 20 minute segments where we'll go and visit a town and we won't just talk about real estate or or how the people are the crime or the food we'll actually spend a day with a local from that town and those uh capture so much about that small town through that person's eyes and that's something that we really uh love to do and that's just on our youtube it doesn't translate well as a podcast it just doesn't you need to see the person you need to see the expressions we follow them around in their car we'll be in the car with them or on the sidewalk or walk recently in bernie texas we did one in a brewery and we did one with a local artist his name's pat childress uh we've done them in natchitoches louisiana we've Uh done them in auburn alabama Yep. yep i recently did one we actually went home to my hometown for a birthday party, a little birthday party for my baby niece. And uh, I actually was the host of my own Ask a Local in that particular episode. Yes. That'll be, I know, it was my own guest. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, I'll be, so that'll be dropping soon. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's it, guys. Thank you for being on. Uh, I had fun, just like I do with all my guests. Thank you for having us. This is such a great show that you're doing. I mean, like in a way it's sort of enviable for us because, you know, you get to meet all these interesting people. Like we love doing the ask a locals. I I was just saying, that's exactly what I I know, but it requires us to go into another city and it's like, here you are like on a weeknight and you're just like, bam, let's pull up the zoom. Who do we got tonight? (laughs) And I was like, I love the sort of uh, spontaneity of that. I, I, you know, Yours there, is there even is harder, though. Creativity involved in that, for sure. You have to walk up to these people. I don't even know how you would go. Up Normally, night. we try and set it up a little bit ahead of time. So 
but we we like to find something unique in every town. If you could just Google whatever we're talking about, then it kind of defeats the purpose of the podcast, you know? So it's it's pretty important for us to sort of, you know. Do a spin on it of some sort. Yeah. Like a hometown spin or our spin, whatever it is. Yeah, find a little something. But there are, I mean, there are certainly, like we've struck gold in certain spots where, you know, uh, I mentioned that place in Louisiana, uh, the hotel manager, she was more than happy to talk to us for, yeah. you know, 20 minutes the Not one good. day. And yeah. so, you know, just the amount of information we got about the hotel, the city at large and everything from her. It was a her. front street in. Yeah. It was really Church great. street in. Oh, that was it. Yeah. Sorry, Church street. Um, yeah. So to make it quick, we had interviewed people who weren't really liking their hometown. And then we interviewed her and she loves it there. So <laughs> it was like a great point counterpoint yeah. for that particular episode. And uh, it ended up being a lot of fun. It's all, it always ends up being a lot of fun. That's the best part is like watching. I'm sure Denise gets a little bit of enjoyment. You know, she says I'm quiet, but. Uh, You're not being right now. I, I'm definitely not being, I know I'm talking a lot right now. I know. But uh, anyway, I'll talk he to would, anybody. He did. He was too tired being on the, I guess you would call it business, James. Now he's talking to Jimmy. He is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I love that concept, though. If you guys ever, I, I know this would be difficult, but you would do some transplant person and then someone who was like raised there in the same town. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that would be really but fun. Do a transplant. That's a lot of work already. So uh, yeah, put that thanks. on the bottom of the list. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Michael. Put just more on our plate. It's good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we just need a crew, but yeah. 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 So much. <laughs> Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. If you could see the other uh, three sides of this wall, very unprofessional. That's how you can tell that's on my list. Well, it looks great on this angle. So yeah, you're doing fantastic. So thank you. Yeah. Congrats on all your episodes. I mean, they're tremendously entertaining. Like you say, that's that's the hard part. Getting these stories out of people. You got me to talk about my brother. I never talk about my brother. Okay. Well, I'll let you guys go. Okay. Thank you so much for having us, Mike. Oh, yeah. Thanks, guys. If you like this week's episode of People More Interesting Than Me, Please follow me on Apple Podcasts so you won't miss out on more episodes like these.